The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello Giants fans and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and today's show is coming to you on New Year's Day, so Happy New Year to all of you Giants fans. Happy Holidays. Hope everyone had a a safe and, and good holiday, got to see some family, got to... Uh, to, to do some celebrating safely so uh, I, I hope every everyone is well and that things are good with uh, with you and yours also a belated happy birthday to New York Giants head coach Joe judge who turned 39 years of age on New Year's Eve so happy birthday coach judge so uh, also wanted to quickly apologize I haven't been uh, haven't done very many shows lately between the uh, the holidays and, and and a little bit of uh, of life intervening. So uh, you guys haven't heard the uh, the wonderful sounds of my voice uh, very much lately here on uh, on the Valentine's Views podcast, and I apologize for that. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully going forward, we'll we'll get back to a little bit more of a regular schedule. Um, anyway, let's turn our attention to uh, to what we're going to talk about today, and obviously, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about Giants versus Cowboys on Sunday, which could be for the NFC East title. Amazingly, uh, even with just five wins going into uh, going into Week 17, your New York Giants will be playing a meaningful January football game that could, if they win it, and the the Washington football team loses on Sunday night to the Philadelphia Eagles, could give the Giants their first NFC East title in, I believe, nine years. Uh, You know, we can argue about whether... whether a 6-10 and 10 team deserves to go to the playoffs or not, but still an NFC East title is an NFC East title. 
the Giants aren't going to give it back. They aren't going to apologize for it uh, if they manage to win it. A little bit later on, we will have RJ Ochoa of SB Nation's Blogging the Boys on the show with us to uh, to talk Giants-Cowboys. But before we do that, a couple of, couple of Giants-related topics that I think we need to get to. One is the uh, pretty stark... A pretty frank admission earlier this week by Giants quarterback Daniel Jones that uh, you know, as we've been able to see uh, over the past uh, the past couple weeks against the the Ravens last week, you know that that while he's playing, he's still limited. A pretty stark admission this week that he still expects to be limited to to playing in the pocket, not really running around a whole lot this Sunday against the the Dallas Cowboys as. You know, as his hamstring is still not yet a hundred percent. Now there could be a little gamesmanship in in Jones making that admission, a little bit of uh, of him, you know, making the Cowboys think that that he's going to be in one place that he won't be using the zone read on Sunday, which he used so effectively to to help the Giants' offense earlier in the season before he suffered the hamstring injury. Could be a little gamesmanship there with him, you know, being coy about how healthy he may or may not be. But he could also be telling us the truth. It's been obvious in the games that Jones has played of late that he hasn't been willing to use his legs or hasn't been able to use his legs. And and while, uh, while Jones indicated earlier this week that he didn't think that was really an uh, an issue for the Giants offense the the results say otherwise because the Giants were playing if not spectacular offense they were playing at least some effective offense and before Jones suffered his injury against the Cincinnati Bengals they haven't scored uh, they haven't scored 20 points in a game since uh, so it, it's apparent that uh, that that Jones' inability to to use his legs and inability to get into the lineup in a couple of games has been an issue for the Giants. Just thought it was a, a an interesting admission. Was surprised that that Jones said that since uh, Giants players have spent most of the season, in fact, all of the season pretty much unwilling to discuss injuries, pretty much deferring all talk about injuries to head coach Joe Judge. So I, I, I just thought that that, was, uh, that that was interesting that Jones was willing to, uh, to discuss his, his health to the length that he did during his, his video conference with Giants Media on Wednesday. Um, another topic that that I think we need to talk about is the the future or lack of future as Giants general manager for Dave Gettleman. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen after Sunday. I've said many many times at at Big Blue View that uh, that you can make an argument for Gettleman to stay. You can make an argument for Gettleman to go. You can look at the record. You can look at at some of the mistakes that have been made. Um, this will be, you know, three straight ten loss seasons or double digit loss seasons under Gettleman. It'll be four straight double digit loss seasons. You know, whether or not the Giants win the NFC East title, and obviously, that's not the end game. That's not the goal. That's not where the Giants want to be. 
Um, you can pin a lot of that blame on Gettleman if you know if, if that's what you want to do. You can you you can point to free agent mistakes. You can quibble with draft choices. Um, you you know you you can you can easily make a case that that the Giants need a new general manager. You can also make a case that Gettleman had a really really good off season prior to this year that he signed a lot of good free agents. You can make a case if you believe in Daniel Jones, you know that that Gettleman selected the quarterback of the future for the Giants. You can make a case that that some of his draft choices are, are working out well. Some aren't, but some are. You can make a case that that there is a foundation of talent. Uh, and that uh, th that Gettleman ha has put in place, although there is not yet enough, obviously not yet enough. The Giants still need playmakers, uh, particularly at the at the wide receiver position on offense. They still need another cornerback. They need pass rush help, uh, particularly at the edge uh, on defense. So you so you can make an argument either way. For me. I've said many times what I think it comes down to is how Giants ownership perceives the relationship between Gettleman and Judge. Do they look at these two as a pairing that works? Do they look at these two as a pairing that that sees the game the same way, that sees personnel the same way, that can come to decisions that work for everyone and that will continue to push the Giants forward as they try to get out of this this spiral of of losing seasons that they've been in you know for far too long now obviously no one wants to continue with uh, with the kind of 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 end results that the Giants have been getting I don't know which way this is going to go down but I do believe that that more than than quibbling about any particular decision that's been made, whether you want to argue about the Beckham trade or you want to argue about the Daniel Jones draft selection, or you want to go back and argue about whether the Giants should have traded out of the number two pick in 2018 and and gotten a, a cachet of, of draft picks rather than selecting Saquon Barkley, we can do all of those things and certainly there, there's merit to arguing about all of those things, but what it really comes down to for me is is how ownership perceives that relationship and whether Gettleman and Judge is a team that can, going forward, can continue to build the Giants and, and make them into a a contending team, you know that that has a chance to consistently compete for for playoff berths and, and championships and I, I don't know how ownership sees that one thing I do know Joe Judge will have input into this decision obviously you know whoever the general manager is has to be able to work with Judge has to see things in a similar way to Judge has to be able to communicate with Judge and has to be able to uh to see has to see personnel in a similar way. You know, I've said before. I think that Joe Judge's vision is the one that's going to be implemented here for the Giants in the future. So whoever the GM is is going to have to be on board with Joe Judge's vision 
and with getting Judge and the Giants coaching staff the kind of players that they want to go forward with. Um, the thing of it is, Joe Judge is not going to make this decision. He's not going to walk into John Mara's office and say, I want Dave Gettleman fired, and I want so-and-so, Nick Casario from New England or, or Monty Austin Ford from Tennessee or whoever. I want so-and-so as the GM. Um, he's he's going to be consulted, but but these decisions get made by Giants ownership, and you know they they always have been. The Giants never gave that kind of power to Bill Parcells. They never gave that kind of power to Tom Coughlin. They've never given that kind of power to to any head coach that they've had, and and I don't see them giving that kind of power to to Joe Judge where he handpicks. Um, you know, who's going to be the GM that, that he's going to work with. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, but it, it's interesting. I think it's 50-50. I don't know which way it's going to go as I record this uh, this this show. But, uh, but I can certainly see arguments on either side of, of that equation. And I won't be I won't be surprised uh, either way that it goes down because as I said I think I think you can you can make valid arguments uh, uh, on either side. All right, Giants fans, let's do this. Let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, I will be talking to. R.J. Ochoa of Blogging the Boys as we preview Sunday's Giants-Cowboys game. All right, Giants fans, we are back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine with you. And joining the show now is R.J. Ochoa of Blogging the Boys, the always informative R.J. Ochoa, good friend of, of the program, you know, writes about the wrong team, but you know, but we don't we don't hold that against him. RJ, thank you very very much for uh, spending some time. Hey Ed, it's always good to be with you. Uh, Merry Christmas to all Giants fans. Uh, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, Happy Week Seventeen, um, and um, you know, looking forward to 2021 to Sunday and um, to hopefully uh, an exciting finish uh, to what has been, I think you would agree, the most unique season that either of us have ever seen. And that's a good place to start, RJ. It is, it is January football. It is the the five win Giants and the five win Cowboys playing a meaningful game. You know, for for the for the possibility of being deemed the worst playoff team of all time. And, and I, I don't care. And I'm assuming you don't care either because it's meaningful football. Um, you know, I don't care, um, but that's an interesting point for Cowboys fans, I think. Um, and, and I'm sure this has existed for you. There were so many people that when it was dark, when it was when they were two and seven or three and nine, um, that it was just tank, you know, just just tank and, and get a top draft pick. And I, I think it's it's kind of gradually changed over the last month. Um, I know it's been a little bit different for the Giants. I know they had that run where they won. They had their stretch of wins in a row. Um, in the middle. Right. Yeah. But, but for the, when the Cowboys beat the Bengals at the time, uh, entering that game, Cincinnati had the third overall pick projected and the Cowboys had the fourth. And so in winning that game, the Cowboys took themselves out of the you know, contention for the top three um, in terms of draft order. And then, then they won again and again. And so 
at this point, I think every fan is kind of accepted. Fine. You're going to end up somewhere around 10 to 12, whatever. If you want to win the division and get blown out at home, so be it. Let's, <laughs> let's just enjoy the ride. Well, you know, I, I, I look at it this way, RJ, and it's, it, it's sort of two-headed. You know, first of all, I have a hard time dealing with fans who root for their team to lose. I don't know, you know, how, how you feel about that. And the, and the second piece of that is there's, there's only one player in this draft and, and usually only one player in most drafts who it's like, you know, if you can get the, the number one pick, you want that. Right. As far as, as far for me, as far as the rest of it, you know, you can, you can get a great player at 19 just as much or just as, as well as you can get a great player at number two or number three or number six, just as easily as you can blow that draft pick like Washington did on Dwayne Haskins. Right. You know, so for me, you know, people start to worry about, the draft in week two. Sure. And I'm like, why don't you worry about the draft when the draft gets here? You know, who cares what position you're in? Win games, root for your team to win, root for things to happen. You can't, and I'll let you speak to this in a second, but the Seattle Seahawks in 2010 went seven and nine. And then they went, and they want a playoff game. You don't get that memory if you don't get there. So I don't understand rooting for your team not to win games. I would add to your point, um, not only did they win a playoff game, they beat the then defending Super Bowl champions. You know, it's not, not like they just beat some run-in-the-mill team that won, you know, was, was a wild-card participant. And to the, to the point of memories, that game featured the, the Marshawn Lynch beast quake. You know, like right. one of the most memorable plays in NFL playoff history. Um, so and, I, you know, sports and fandom and, and all, it's about memories. It's about moments. And, and you know, the ultimate goal is always to win the Super Bowl. But, but you don't get those moments if you don't win. Yeah, and I think um, – I, I honestly don't know of a Cowboys fan that, you know, is, was cheering for, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens when Dallas got smoked by them on that Tuesday night. Um, you know, I, I don't know anybody that, that's legitimately going to that. I think people – I think it's a way of kind of – dealing with things and, and sort of surrendering to the season. Um, you know, Monday through Saturday, it's fine. I'm disconnected. I don't care if they lose. I think it's a way of kind of making peace with it. Um, and then Sunday, your emotions take over and it's okay. You know, let's, let's go win this thing. I, yeah, I also that. think for, for the Cowboys specifically, um, and this has applied to other teams um, in history, you know, it's, you're right. Like the, those 2010 Seahawks could have won the Super Bowl, and is evidenced by the fact that they they won a playoff game. But for every Cowboys fan, tells themselves like once once they start to have that internal conversation, it becomes well, Dak Prescott's gone, you know. And and for every you know conversation like that, there's well, look at what Nick Foles did, right? Like there's always an, an example. Um, but I you know 
if this was if this was the Cowboys full arsenal, I think less people would have had that mindset, you know, Mondays through Saturdays. Um, and so it, it's just it's a little bit harder to latch on to when the faces are different and, you know, the the people that run out of the tunnels first are different. And so that's just, you know, it's it's a little bit hard to rally around Andy Dalton is kind of what I'm saying. Right. So so actually, let's talk about Andy Dalton. Let's talk about the 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 way that things have changed for the Cowboys. I mean, the last time you and I talked, um, you know, we were talking about Mike McCarthy and we were talking about, you know, was this a disaster that they hired McCarthy? And maybe it's still a disaster that they hired McCarthy. Um, you know, we last more than a year and all that kind of stuff. What, you know, Dallas has won three games in a row now. They played really good offensive football last week against the Eagles, but they put up more than 500 yards of total offense, I think. What has changed for this Dallas team? I think, you know, this team really changed at the bye. Um, you know, they were dealing with a lot. At the time of their bye, obviously Dak Prescott had been hurt about a month prior um, and, and Andy Dalton got hurt in just his second start, suffered the concussion on the road in Washington, later tested positive for COVID-19. Um, so the Cowboys had to start Ben DiNucci on Sunday Night Football in Philadelphia. A week later, they started Garrett Gilbert at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were competitive in that game, if, if you recall. Um, and so they got the bye. I think, I think that was a very much needed time to take a deep breath. And, you know, this season has obviously presented a number of challenges and the Cowboys came out of the bye, went to Minnesota. And I know the Vikings have disappointed this year, but still a, a solid football team in my own estimation. And they played really well and they won that game. And that's, you know, if you remember then, you know, that, that was the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And so a lot of chatter then, oh, is, is, are the Cowboys going to make a run? The NFC East is sorry. Maybe they can win this thing. Um, and then tragedy struck. Uh, the death of Marcus Paul um, within Mike McCarthy's staff. Um, you know, it's it's hard to hard to go back to football when you talk about something like this because it, it goes beyond a game. Um, but with regards to the intricacies of, of their schedule, um, you know how short weeks operate. That that happened on a Tuesday, um, on a Monday rather, and Tuesday. The, the Cowboys, my point is, lost their their only practice day of the week. So. If, if you consider that to be important, um, not only did they not have normal practice, but they were obviously emotionally grief stricken um, and then had to host the Washington football team on Thanksgiving Day. They lost their two starting tackles on the first possession of that game um, and got routed. And, you know, OK, so they had a little bit of time to breathe and, and had kind of an, a, a buy that was introduced by COVID situations. And they they almost had two whole weeks before they visited the Ravens. And they happened to catch Baltimore as Baltimore sort of found themselves again. And Baltimore destroyed them on prime time, and uh, everybody kind of buried this team. And I think after that, um, I think it's been a marriage of low-quality opponents. I mean, the Cowboys have beaten Cincinnati, San Francisco, and Philadelphia, and just buckling down and, and doing what's necessary, getting the bare bones done. And so all of that has manifested itself into a situation where, you know, the Cowboys, you know, and I think – you know, the Giants, who are the Giants' last three teams that they, they've lost to? The Ravens, the Browns, and the Cardinals, right? I mean, all, all good teams, all, right. yeah. Right. All three of those teams housed the Cowboys this season when, when they played them. And so I think that, 
I, I don't know that I think they're supremely better than the Giants. I just think the division is normalizing. Um, and, and it took the whole season. I think that as a whole, maybe we all kind of laughed at and buried the Cowboys when they were playing the really good teams while every other NFC East team was either playing each other or um, or kind of playing those low-quality opponents that allowed them to look better on the surface. So I think I think it's a combination of, of luck and discipline and skill and just good fortune and rest all merging together to, to put them in the position that they're in now. Let me ask you about Mike McCarthy. Where are you and where are Cowboys fans on McCarthy at this point? I think I would imagine every Giants fan feels similarly to, you know, about Joe Judge here. It's impossible to hold him accountable for anything that, that, that may have been or may still be perceived as a disaster just because of the inordinate challenges that, that every team has faced this year. Um, in, in a, again, I, it's it's I struggle to use this as a as a factor with regards to a football season, uh, but the death of a staffer obviously weighed heavily on the Cowboys. I, I think it's it's also worth mentioning that you know Kevin Green passed away last week. He was on Mike McCarthy's Super Bowl staff uh, with the Green Bay Packers, and so it's been a, a very difficult year for Mike McCarthy. And I, I think you know the Cowboys obviously have lost Dak Prescott. They've lost their starting tackles multiple times. They've lost. Leighton Vanderish for different stretches. They've lost different members of their secondary. Um, they played their first game ever without Ezekiel Elliott in terms of him missing a game due to injury. Granted, they did win that game. Um, so I, I think there's just been a number of factors that have, have made the season a challenge. And I think, I think most fans are willing to come to terms with that. I do think that people... Um, still maybe feel a little hoodwinked. He had, you know, this bravado that he studied the whole 2019 season and, um, you know, was, was you know, he, he advertised himself as this analytically woke coach. And I will say that there are a lot of things he does that um, sort of line up with analytically driven thoughts. And so I think people are intrigued. I do think some of the hype has dissipated. I think everybody's willing to give him a second chance um, in a full year with Dak Prescott. Um, I think a majority of people, not to take a shot, are ultimately, you know, Mike, Mike McCarthy's biggest benefit is that he's not Jason Garrett. And that's kind of where a lot of people <laughs> ultimately settle in. Yeah, I, I, I get that. The last, uh, I guess, let me ask you about this. You know, when I look at the NFC East, the, the real crux of it in the NFC East all season for me has been quarterback play. Sure. Cowboys losing Prescott, then having to go through, you know, Ben DiNucci and, and Garrett Gilbert. The the Eagles with the the disaster that has become Carson Wentz. The the Washington football team, you know, going through Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen and then having to, you know, and then getting some quality quarterback play for a few weeks out of Alex Smith and then having him get hurt again. And the Giants, you know, going through a lot of bumps early in the season with Daniel Jones and then finding finally having him, you know, start to right the ship a little bit and then getting hurt. And that's that's a long-winded way of, of me getting around to Andy Dalton. And saying, you know, I I wondered what the heck Andy Dalton was doing when he signed with the Cowboys. I thought he would look for a place where he could actually, you know, compete for a starting job. But when you look at it, how much credit does Andy Dalton get, you know, for what he's been able to do this year with the Cowboys? And, and, and where would they be 
you know, without what he's done. So um, it's interesting you asked this question. On, on Tuesday, I wrote a thousand words about Andy Dalton, which, as you know, you've got to be pretty passionate about something to, to put that much time into it. And, you know, I, I mean, so Andy Dalton has started eight games for the Cowboys. Um, the first two were our losses on his record. The first one was against the Arizona Cardinals, who, you know, we've, we've since learned that was on Monday Night Football. Uh, and, I, and the team was still kind of dealing with the aftershock of losing deck. Um, but they lost. The Cowboys just were destroyed. Then they went to Washington and they played a game without Zach Martin. And that defensive line just destroyed him. And he, he was concussed. And so he, he lost those first two games. Since then, like, like I mentioned, I mean, he's, he's won four of six with the only two losses being the, you know Washington on that short week and then Baltimore and so I think I, I hate to use the word excuse but you can almost excuse away his losses or, or justify them to, to a certain degree um, but but I think he's been kind of exactly what you would expect your emergency veteran backup quarterback to be somebody who he's four and four he's gone 500 and you know granted the division has sort of helped with this but he has them mathematically in contention through all 16 games of the season um, and what, what sort of spurred me to write about this was, and again, I, I feel bad here taking shots, um, but the Cowboys approached the backup quarterback position with such, with, with this high level of irresponsibility for so long. Um, they've taken for granted their starting quarterbacks, which I think is evidenced by the fact that they haven't paid their current one. Um, you know, and, and you remember five years ago in 2015, when Tony Romo was hurt, the Cowboys had Brandon Whedon to rely on. They did trade for Matt Castle right after that injury. Um, and, and they ultimately wound up starting their current offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. In the 12 games that the Cowboys played without Tony Romo, they lost 11 of them. And I mean, you know, you, you, that's simply unacceptable from a coaching staff to be, you know, that lost and, and, and that broken without a quarterback, granted a very important one in your quarterback. And so the fact that the Cowboys have, have managed to win four games this season um, with, with, without Dak Prescott, I think says a lot and, and says how different things are in that particular capacity. And, you know, prior to Andy Dalton from 2017 through last year, the last three years, you know, your, your QB2 is your vice president. He, that person is a, a bad play away from being the most important player at the center of your franchise. And the Cowboys for so long, the last three years, entrusted that to an undrafted free agent in Cooper Rush. And so, you know, Mike McCarthy, that's, that was my sort of point. I mean, treated that position with the level of importance that I think it deserves. And I think Colt McCoy is a great example of that. He is somebody who Jason Garrett has, has been a fan of for a long time. And um, you look at the success he had, that, that win against the Seattle Seahawks. And so um, I think Andy Dalton, the, the design, if he was ever going to be necessary, which unfortunately he was, was that he would be enough to keep the ship afloat. And again, he's gotten some help by the fact that the NFC East has been so terrible, but he's done that. And I'm, I'm just surprised that, that it worked out for the Cowboys because they've handled the position so poorly for a long time. All right. So let, let me leave you with this. The, uh, the final thing is, and it's a two-part question, who wins Giants-Cowboys and the the second part of that is how hard is it to stomach having to root for the Eagles on Sunday night? Uh, so I have enjoyed um, the way our cohort Brandon Lee Gowton, who runs Bleeding Green Nation, um, has felt the last couple of days. Uh, it is a satisfying feeling to know that the Cowboys are not just alive, um, but that they 
they specifically ended the Philadelphia Eagles season by defeating the Eagles. <laughs> Philly was mathematically eliminated. And so I'm, I'm a bit on cloud nine in that regard. Yes, we, we, we never, ever, ever, you know, feel badly, you know, when, when the Eagles are suffering. Right. And so I do think the Cowboys will win. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in, in the long-term future of the Giants. I, I think for the Giants' sake, it might be wise to move on from Jason Garrett. He was somebody that, you know, it was a joke for a long time, but a lot of Cowboys fans, it was very predictable that he would wind up with the Giants, an organization he's close to. Yeah, it was. Um, and so I, I, that's, it, this felt broken from the moment it started. And so if I was a Giants fan, I would feel frustrated. I would say, why would you do the predictable thing? You know, we, we've moved nowhere with regards to our offensive success. We've simply just wasted another year of Daniel Jones's rookie contract. Um, but so I, I think that, that this is a factor. I think, you know, it's interesting. The Cowboys were in a similar position a year ago, um, ironically, then needing help from the Giants. The Cowboys needed to beat Washington in Week 17 and needed the Giants to beat the Eagles uh, in order to win the division title. And so uh, they, the Cowboys took care of their part in, in pretty impressive fashion, and, and the Giants just couldn't. And so um, I, I think Dallas wins. Um, and, and I know, I believe, the Giants have scored something like three or less points in the first half of the last four games. I, I don't think the Cowboys offense is, you know, singing at an incredible rate or anything, but I do think it's better than that. And I think, um, I think they'll be able to put up enough points to make things difficult to allow their defense to kind of pin their ears back and, and, you know, make a, make something fun out of it in the second half. Um, and so I th- that would put Cowboys fans in a position to certainly root uh, for the Eagles, like they never have before, um, and I think that game goes goes both Dallas and New York's way. I think that I think the Eagles are going to win, and so I do think this is the NFC East title game, uh, which is really an incredibly awkward and perfect way to end 2020. <laughs> yes, it is, and 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 whether whether it's your team or my team or, or, or Washington, you know the, the rules are what they are, and uh, nobody should apologize. It is what it is, and. Uh, and you enjoy it and just uh and roll with it yeah i mean um i this this year has been so challenging for so many people um and you know at at the end of the day and i know it was awkward and difficult at times we got to watch or will get to watch 16 games from our favorite teams there were moments of joy moments of ecstasy uh, moments of trials, moments of tribulations. But I, I would bet that every Giants fan will remember that gritty win against the Seahawks forever because it was stupid and amazing, you know? <laughs> and so yeah. um, who, whoever gets some caps and T-shirts, I hope that, you know, I hope people are, are fortunate enough to be able to get their hands on them. And, you know, I think some people will say, well, I'm not going to buy that. You know, who cares? They were a crappy winner. You know what? You don't get to see division titles all too often. I mean, uh, if the Cowboys win, this would be their fourth in seven years. And every time they've won it, it's been fun and it's been awesome. And so whoever it is, um, I'm hopeful for a great game. And, and I'm hopeful for both of these teams, not the Eagles, to return to the top of the <laughs> NFL uh, so that, you know, we have, some, we have some games where one of us leaves heartbroken and one of us leaves rubbing it in the other's face. All right, RJ. Hey, thank you very, very much for spending some time. We'll uh, maybe we'll be uh, maybe we'll talk again next week or find out. You know, we'll see how Sunday goes and uh, which one of us actually cares about the result of uh, of Sunday night's game. 
I could promise you if, if the Cowboys lose, I'll say that I didn't care all along. I was all about getting the highest draft pick possible, and I was never emotionally connected. But uh, There you go. And, uh, there you go. As will all Giants fans if they lose on Sunday. Happy New Year to you <laughs> and to all Giants fans, and looking forward to talking to you next time. All right, RJ, take care. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check us out on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on on YouTube, where we're posting uh, lots of interesting uh, analytical breakdowns, news breakdowns, lots of, uh, of good content for you there. Uh, follow us on big on uh, Twitter, at Big Blue View, and, and please, if you haven't done so already, join the community at BigBlueView.com so you can, uh, can chat with other Giants fans about uh, various topics of, of interest. All right, Giants fans, thank you very, very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.